All right, so let's get this thing kicked off. It's the time for another episode of The Techie and the Cowboy. My name is Alistair Hunt, a.k.a. The Techie. And this is T.W. Lawrence, a.k.a. The Cowboy. So today's subject is one that's kind of a phenomenon that's going on. I think it's one of the main reasons why it is that people are leaving the church in mass amounts, either because it is that they personally experienced it, or maybe it is that their parents or generationally they've experienced it too. And this is something that's called church hurt. So church hurt, TW, talk a little bit about, you know, we've had this off a mic conversation about it or whatever else. Talk a little bit about this church hurt and how you see it. And I'll talk about what I feel about it. Well, there, I was telling you uh, off mic that uh, we were discussing it here at the house. And it turns out that my wife has suffered from that in her past enough to make her change churches. Myself, uh, to varying degrees, there's, you know, obviously there's politics with everything and you can agree with what's going on. You can like the people, you can, that kind of thing, but people are involved. Politics are involved. And so there's ample opportunity for you, get you, for you to get your feelings hurt because of something. Now, how serious it gets, how understanding you are, the environment of the church, et cetera, it varies. So right after we kick this intro, we'll get into what the definition of church hurt is, at least from my opinion, and then we'll talk a little bit more about it. So let's go ahead and kick that new season two intro. And now a few minutes with two of my friends who will soon be yours, the techie and the cowboy. Right, we're back. So church hurt for me, the definition of church hurt for me is somebody who it is that have had an experience either with Christians or with the church that makes them say, you know what, maybe organized religion and going to the church is not for me. Or they doesn't even have to be a conscious decision. They've had something that they experienced at a church. They've left that church and they just haven't found a new church home because they still are kind of dealing with that residual pain, that PTSD, if you will, from whatever it is that happened at the church. And this happens more often than you would think. And again, I think this is what's attributing to when you look at the numbers of people that are actually going on Sunday or Saturday or whatever day of the week that they go to church, the numbers are going down. How many people that are actually, you know, buying into organized religion is going down because they feel like it is that they can get what they need off of watching uh, the church on the internet, or they can feel they get what they need off of self-study. You know, they got tons of apps. The Bible app is one of my favorite apps that has different devotionals that you can follow. And they feel like it is that they can get it from this versus having to go to a church where it is that they actually go, they pay offering or tithes, that they are involved in small groups of small communities because of whatever it is that's been on their mind. In some of the research that I did, I came across this one article that laid out the, the top five reasons why people get hurt from an experience at church. I'll read them to you. The number one is gossip. People are, find themselves being gossiped about and they, uh, they can't take that. It even gave an example where somebody was gossiping about the person who took offense in a prayer that was given in a small classroom. Number two reason is insensitive leadership where the preacher or somebody else does something that uh, is not in keeping with Christian tenets because they don't have experience in leadership or because they're just insensitive people outside of uh, their Christian training. The next is rejection. 
pretty much rejection by the group. You go into a Sunday school class, you don't fit, you just kind of don't, you feel awkward, that kind of thing. And so you think, well, if this is the way the whole church is, I'm out of here. In line with that is judgment. When you feel that people have made judgments about something that you have done, maybe your politics, maybe something you've said, but you feel the judgment. The last, which is kind of really unfortunate, is false teaching. That's where you're in a church, you recognize that the church, the church elders, leaders, pastors are saying something that you know is not in keeping with all the training and reading and things that you've done in the Bible, and that affects you adversely. So out, out of all of these, the head of the snake, the actual person who it is that is in charge would be the pastor. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons why it is that people have church hurt. Specifically, they put so much faith into the pastor, even more so than their own faith in God. In other words, the pastor is either by design made it where they're the head of the church and what they say is law, or just by how it is that is is structured inside of the church, they give the pastor a whole bunch of credit. And then the pastor either does something generally to the whole entire church, it does something specifically to that person, and this causes the person to be able to be hurt because now the person who they thought is the closest to God, the person that they almost idolize, has now shown that they're just another human being that can still and pastors say this all the time. And this is why it is that there's a big depression among pastors too, because all of that pressure to be holier than thou, all the pressure to be, you know, the image of what it is it is to follow God, it creates a lot of stress in a pastor's life. Also, you take the whole balancing the church and all the duties of the church with the family, if they have a family or their marriage or anything else like that, and you're finding more and more pastors being depressed. As a matter of fact, there's been a spike in the amount of pastor uh, suicides lately because of all the stress that the pastors have to go to. And there's a whole series on how does pastors can deal with pressure and depression and everything else like that. This is all not by accident. This is all by design. I think God has a way of neutralizing things whenever they start to get too out of control. You said one of the reasons why is false teachings. I think that, you know, at a certain point, God gives us free will. So he allows us to be able to go a certain length. But on another hand, everything that you do will come back around, right? So uh, I feel bad for the people who it is that get caught up in that and then end up having church hurt or faith hurt because it is that they followed these people that have false teachings. And then all of a sudden they get let down when they figure out that, you know, the smoke and mirrors goes away. In addition, we have a lot of pressure these days for commenting on things that are happening in society, uh, politics, which preachers for the most part stay away from, but not always. Not always. And, and, and when they do, when they, when they come out and say, well, generally I wouldn't get involved in this matter of politics, but this person has said this or done this, and here's my comment on it and you find yourself on the other side of that issue, you go, shouldn't have gone there. You really shouldn't have gone there because now I have less respect for you or you expect me to give money, put money into an organization that believes that strongly differently than me. It's unfortunate. And unfortunately, this has nothing to do with faith, right? But then whenever it is that you're, again, taking it to the point where you're almost idolizing an individual person, you tend to blur that lines with what it is that you believe and what it is that you feel. 
Uh, I'll give you an example, like in our church that, that I currently attend, there's been, uh, we've actually added a couple of modern worship services. So now we're having more of the modern music, more of the Christian contemporary music or whatever else like that. There's been several people that have left the church because they said they like the traditional way of doing things and they don't want all of this modern Christianity inside of a place where it is that they worship. Now, the traditional services stay the same. They have the ability to be able to continue to go to the traditional services, but because the church is changing, I even had one person I overheard saying that they're afraid of the type of people that this type of service will attract. It's not the type of people that they want to be around when it comes to Christianity. Well, how is that being a, a Christian whenever it is that you're supposed to be able to share the word of God with everybody? Now you're having, instead of having an inclusive environment, you're having an exclusive environment where you just want to have the good old boys club, where it is that you're just the people who it is that you want to be able to study with and believe with and everything else. That's who it is that I want to have in my group. I don't want to have everybody. God forbid I have somebody who's different than me that comes in and worships alongside with me. If that's what it is that you're projecting as a Christian, it's no wonder why it is people say, you know what? I don't want to be a part of that, right? I don't want to be a part of something where it is that it's not inclusive, that it's just for certain people. And that's not what God preaches or that's not what God tells us to be able to do. Yeah, very specifically, the Great Commission is for us to go and make disciples. And a lot of people read that to be, I need to go on a mission trip to help spread the word of God to unreached people groups wherever they are across the world. And I'll go to China, I'll go to Albania, I'll, I'll go to the Middle East. But by goodness, I don't want those, you know, those hippie freak millennials bringing their Starbucks coffee in and singing <laughs> rock and roll stuff when I should be singing Rock of Ages. That's different. Right. I'll go to China, but I won't put up with them. But some of it is just also people like to sit in whatever is comfortable for them. So if they grew up with Christianity being a certain way, if they grew up with church being a certain way, if they have their rituals and traditions, that's what it is they feel comfortable with. So why get uncomfortable inside of my faith whenever it is that this is the one thing in my life that's stable. God has always been a certain way in my life. You know, going to church has always been a certain way in my life where everything else may in my life may be variable. I want this part of my life to be one specific way. You start shaking that up and then I start getting uncomfortable and I don't want to get uncomfortable inside of that area. So I think that's one of the reasons why it is that people do that. And then also people love being a part of a group, right? A car part of a group, a part of a mission and everything else like that. And if that starts to change as well, remember change invokes fear in people's mind. Whenever things are changing, that means it is that uh, you, you have to do something different outside of what it is that you're used to and your brain interprets that as danger. So whenever there's all this change, there's a danger of you not being comfortable, of you not being safe, then all of a sudden you start projecting that on other things that you do. And I think that's what happens inside of these churches. Let me give you a classic example of something that's about to become a minor version of church hurt. I attend uh, these uh, meetings. It's meant for older people, retired people. And uh, we get some uh, deep scripture learning. There's some refreshments. Uh, usually your people at your table go out to uh, lunch after that and you do some fellowship. But it has been since I've been going there that these two people, a couple who are very skilled at it, perform, uh, they don't say magic because they don't like to talk about magic in a church, but they, they do illusions, card tricks and various things, but they all have Christian themes to them. And it's, it, it sets things up. Okay, so we get entertained. He tells some bad jokes. We go into it. And then one or two people 
provide the lesson, a scripture, we're usually doing a book of the Bible kind of thing. Well, recently, they're changing that because one of the preachers that had been helping us has retired and moved to Texas. The other one is, is having operations on both knees, so he's going to be out for about five or six weeks. So they brought in this other guy. This other guy doesn't believe in magic at all and says, I don't want that. I don't want to follow that act. So no, no magic tricks before that. And people are grumbling like you wouldn't believe what? We've been doing that forever. I'm not going to come. So we'll see how this shakes out. I was thinking, yeah, well, I like the guy that does the magic tricks. I have lunch with him every now and then, but I don't, I think you're missing the point. If you, if you get upset because a guy and his wife can't do a little humor before we start the serious stuff, you know, what's that all about? It's again, just people, you know, they're comfortable. What it is this always happened. Anytime it is in a church, I hear, but that's how we've always done things. I know it's people resisting because it is that they're having to get uncomfortable for the first time, probably in a long time, right? Especially whenever you deal with churches that have been around for a long time, which is why it is, again, some of the younger people, millennials, don't want to walk into this traditionalist environment where it is that things have always been the same and they feel like it is. That's one of the points that you had, the exclusion. People are judging me because of what it is that I look like, how it is that I feel, how it is that I dress, how it is that I act, the music that I prefer. I'm feeling judged because of that. So I'll go the opposite side of you. I was uh, talking to a, a guy who runs a group that's for people in their 20s, 30s, and early 40s, uh, you know, couples that meet together inside of the house and they do small groups inside of house. So I was, it sounded like a really interesting group. And I was like, okay, so which church are y'all associated with? He's like, oh, no, 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 we don't, we don't go to church. And I was like, that, that, you know, automatically sparked my interest. I was like, really? So tell me a little bit more about that. He said, you know, we feel like it is that, when we go to the different churches, we have to conform to what it is that they think religion and Christianity is. We have different people that come from different backgrounds, different types of religions, and we get together to be able to study the word and to be able to, you know, talk without having it turning into a debate about what it is that we believe or what it is that we came up believing. And then usually at the end, we'll come up with some kind of conclusion and we'll either agree to disagree or whatever else. He said, I feel like most churches can't do that nowadays. They have to, everybody has to agree to go one direction or else it is that you either can't be a part or you can be a part, but you're going to feel like it is that you're always excluded. So he said, we choose not to associate with the church. We've And I said, all things, how many people that you have in your group? I would almost argue that you have your own version of a church that inside of this small group that you're meeting with. It's the same concept that's behind a church. You're all meeting together. You're all learning about the word together. It's, it's a small group. It's just not in a traditional church you know, where you have a, a you know, steeple and the, you know, the roof and you call it a church and you do, but y'all do the praise and worship. You do everything it is that you would do in a church environment, but they just choose not to uh, associate with the church in the traditional sense of the word. I thought that was really interesting. Yes, particularly since the early church, that was about the size of it. What we call uh, home churches or house churches yes. they have overseas was the norm for beginning of Christianity. Yeah. And overseas, some places they can't openly, uh, you know, practice religion so they have to be able to do the home churches i mean they'll get in trouble they they meet in secret places where it is that if they get caught they could be executed they could be deported they can be you know they have the serious consequences for uh practicing their christian faith and religion right so uh you know so this is what it is that the church is to them it's not about the fancy buildings and you know, being able to have these mega churches and mega environments and everything else like that. It's not about stuff. In other words, it's more about my ability to be able to learn, study and honor God through the word. Right. And I think that's really what it should be about. 
which brings me to my instance of church hurt. And I kind of, uh, we did an episode before about whether it is that you need to be able to, in season one, about whether it is that you need to be able to practice church or, or practice, you know, go to church or be a part of a church environment. And my first experience of church hurt was whenever as I was in college, you know, I went through this thing where as I jumped from church to church after as I went to college, I didn't really find a church that was home to me because I had a certain in my mind, I had a certain vision of what church should be, just but what I grew up on, which most people do, right? Grew up in the church, and so I had this vision of what it should be, and I couldn't find that uh, in my college town. Finally found a church that I was actually going to on a regular basis that actually really, really tended to college people, right? The way that they got people in is that they would actually have a Sunday home-cooked meal. There was a couple of ladies who were, they were actually twins, and they were amazing cooks. They had their own catering business, and they would actually cater dinner on Sunday after church. And this is a really crucial because on Sunday, the cafeteria was closed. So you were all, you were, you know, fending for yourself on Sunday on what it is that you had to be able to eat. Besides in the morning, I think it was open for breakfast. So the way that they got the, the college students to come is that they would serve. And this was like good. This is Southern cooking, good food. And this is a full portion size, like what you would get if you went to like a cafe, right? But the caveat is, is only people who it is that attended the service would be able to get the meal. So you had to go to the service in order to be able to get the meal. So I ended up going because I wanted the home cooking that people were bringing back to the dorms. So I went for that. I'll, I'll be honest, you know, that's why I originally I wanted whatever the fried chicken, whatever it is, that chicken fried steak would look great. So I'll be able to go. And I actually ended up liking the church and the environment. Now, I come from, I grew up in a Methodist environment. This is a Baptist environment. So it was a little bit different. Some of the different stuff that they did was a little bit different. It was a little bit more expressive than what it is that I grew up in. Um, but I ended up liking the church. My first church hurt was whenever it is that I started getting into the inner workings of the church and the leadership of the church. Matter of fact, that was my first web design contract that I was able to land that was outside of the volunteer stuff that I did. Like my first commercial, they paid me to do a web design contract. So I did this for the church and I'm in the office, you know, of this pastor who it is that I respect and all these college students respect because he very much made it where he was the man of the church, kind of what it is I'm talking about. And he says, and one of the deacons comes in and says, hey, you know, the AC unit's going out. We're going to end up having to get a new AC unit, right? Uh, that's just, and we don't really have the finances for it. And he said, this is his exact words. He's like, no problem. He said, no problem. What we'll do is I'll tell the the congregation that if it is that they go ahead and they, whatever it is that they were planning on giving, God, there's a double blessing in store for them. If it is that they give more, uh, you know, God has a blessing in store for them. And I was like, what? Uh, you know, I, was, I was really confused, but I kind of let it go. And then he gets in there. He said, you know, God put it on my heart this morning that, you know, whatever it is that you were, you were planning on giving, whatever it is that you were planning on being able to do just do it stretch a little bit more and there's an extra blessing for you in store like he has he has a more bless he's gonna bless you financially he's gonna and i was like how can you tie finances to blessings and god's ability to bless you god doesn't look at how much it is that you give to the church to pay for the ac in order to be able to give you the blessings and that was just it was so i didn't even know why but it just felt so off to me the discernment in my spirit said this is not Right. And that's whenever it is that I will stop going to that church. As a matter of fact, I finished off that web design contract and stopped going to that church. And I had a little bit of church hurt because I thought, is this how all pastors determine how it is that they're going to be able to get money for the congregation? Because I've heard other pastors talk about, you know, double blessing and saw my heart and whatever else and not disassociating my faith from the individual person or the church and how they did stuff. 
caused me to have a little bit of church hurt and actually didn't, I did self-study and, and that's where I actually found my one-on-one relationship with God. So something good did come out of it because I started learning how it is to be able to, to uh, talk directly to God and do my own self-study. Um, but yeah, that, that, that haunted me for quite a while, you know, and church politics is one of the points that you brought up a little bit earlier too, but the church politics and the inner workings of the church Let's say it is that you have a calling. I believe that God calls certain people to the ministry in different ways. Some to be a pastor, some to be able to serve in it. My calling to Stephen ministry was 100% a pure guide calling. It wasn't a something that I thought about doing. It wasn't something that I researched before. It was 100% God saying, hey, this is something that you really need to look into. And next thing you know, I'm a Stephen minister. And next thing you know, I'm a Stephen leader. And you know, all that stuff lined up because it was part of God's purpose for my life, I believe, right? So imagine if there was somebody who it is that said, you don't, you're not in the right Sunday school class or you don't play the right political game or I don't personally like you to try and block what God has called me to be able to do. And it almost was. The guy who it is that I actually contacted about Stephen Ministry didn't call me back for like three months. I had to keep on hounding him to find out more information. He's like, oh, come in and talk to me about it. And it happened to be like the second class. He gave me the book and said, welcome. (laughs) You're now in class. So if it hadn't happened like that, I might not have even had done it. So I think God has a plan for everything, but it's just amazing how it is that individual people can try and block you from what it is that they think God's plan is for you. And it's not even about them. So that's another thing that causes church hurt. Yeah. Well, one of the overriding factors to me, I guess I had decided a while back, probably when I was in college, I had the first inkling of it. It was because when I was in high school, you more or less at the institution I was going at, you had to go to chapel and you had to go to Sunday school or service. When I got in college, of course, there were women, there were there was alcohol, there were other distractions, and I kind of stepped away from that. But I thought I thought about why I did not go back because there was an Episcopal church not that far from campus, and it's for the first time that I thought about my individual relationship with God. And even so, even now that I'm involved in a very active church, I realize that that is part, but only part of what I do to take my Christian walk. Just like you and I have spoken before, we have different DNA. Every person does. And that DNA was given to us by God. And so I think firmly in my heart that our relationship with God like DNA, is highly individualistic. And so I pursue what that is. I'm not saying that I fully know what it is, but I pursue it because I think that that's important. So all this other stuff, the hurt, the deaconry, the, you know, the calling for more money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that's things of this world. That's part of this church that is different than my relationship with God. As long as I keep that important, I'm okay. I love that you said that because this kind of moves into this the part of the podcast where we try and give you ways it is that you can explore. You know, if you're if you're struggling with church hurt or if you're struggling with your relationship with the church as well, ways that you could actually overcome that. And I, I remember hearing what helped me is I remember hearing a speaker say this. I think it was I can't even remember where it is that I heard it, but I remember a Christian speaker saying that treat church like a buffet. You take what it is that you need from it. You get your spiritual filling. You listen for what God's message is coming from that avenue, not the person, not the church. When you're listening to a pastor, you may not even like the pastor, but God may have something for you inside of his message that was specifically for you. There's a reason why you were there at that time listening to that person, even if it is that you don't do. So there's lots of pastors. I don't like their delivery of what it is that they do. But if it is that God puts their uh, message in front of me, I'll listen. 
for what God has to say to me. So it's to treat it like a buffet. Take what it is that you need, leave what it is that you don't. You don't like everything on a buffet whenever you go. Whenever you go to a buffet, you're not expecting that you're going to eat every single piece of food on the buffet. You take what it is that you like. If there's only a few things on it, ah, you say, you know what, I won't go to that buffet anymore. But there's probably going to be something on there that uh, you actually like and that's going to give you nourishment. And it's the same thing with God's word. Get the nourishment where it is that you can. It's funny because this, this uh, speaker said the same thing about giving. It says you don't have to be able to necessarily give or tithe to one specific place. You tithe to where it is that you're getting spiritually fed. So if it is that somebody is spiritually feeding you what it is that you need, your way of being able to thank them or to give back to them is to be able to invest into whatever their mission is, whatever their vision is. So at different points in my life, I've given to different organizations, different churches, wherever it is that I'm getting the spiritual food that I need. I tend to be able to tithe my time and my money to those individual places, not necessarily just to the church that is that I'm attending. Maybe a little bit controversial to pastors because they're like, if you're attending here and you're a member, we need your support. But that's just that's always been on my heart how it is that uh, my money needs to be tithed as well. No, I understand. I do the same thing, uh, even though I go to this big institution. Big institution gets some, but not all of my time. Yeah, absolutely. So if it is that you feel like it is that you have a little bit of church hurt, first of all, I want you to be able to explore your personal relationship with God and detaching uh, the institution. Yeah, detaching the institution from where it, what it is that you believe, right? Where is your faith in God at that has nothing to do with the institution, the church that you have? So that's number one. Number two, that spiritual relationship with God is, is that you grow that one-on-one -on -one spiritual relationship. I think that you'll find that you'll have less and less dependency on, you know, what people say and what organizations say, and that church hurt will start to go away. And I believe that God can heal anybody's heart. Any last words before we close this thing up, TW? Yeah, let me uh, share this verse with you from uh, Philippians 1.27. It says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. I think that pretty well summarizes what you just said about here's how we should conduct ourselves as Christians, recognizing that organizations are slightly outside that. Well, there you go, guys. Of course, you always want to be able to go and check out the techiethecowboy.com so you can see other episodes that we have. Make sure it is that you subscribe to the podcast, either on Apple, iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're on Anchor FM as, as our main platform. So make sure it is that you go subscribe so that way you can get notifications whenever it is that we put out new episodes. So as always, this is Alistair Hunt, a.k.a. The Techie. And this is T.W. Lawrence, a.k.a. The Cowboy. And that's the end of this episode. So let's go ahead and kick that outro music. That's it for this episode. Join us again next time for The Techie and the Cowboy. Hit us up on our website, thetechieandthecowboy.com. Let us know what y'all think.